We're continuing in Hebrews today, uh, but I want to begin in Romans. Romans chapter 12, this is following 11 chapters of complex and deep theological discourse. We are called to, to offer acceptable worship to God, acceptable worship to God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That word acceptable ought to sound familiar. We encountered that same word last week. Hebrews chapter 12. This is following 11 chapters of complex and deep theological discourse. We are called to offer acceptable worship to God. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Romans 12, offer to God acceptable worship. Hebrews 12, offer to God acceptable worship. What is acceptable worship? What does it mean to worship God acceptably? Well, to be sure, our, our liturgy matters. It matters to God what we do together on the Lord's day. The songs we sing, the prayers we pray, our, our hearts and our attitudes and our wallets. But our passage today is, is not about liturgy, at least not directly. Our passage today is mostly about what happens outside of the liturgy. It's about what the liturgy is meant to produce in us. Namely, Christian love. You see, good theology and good worship produce Christian love or they aren't good. Romans and Hebrews are are two of the most theological books in the Bible, and both books insist that proper theology and acceptable worship exist within this uh, symbiotic, two-way, give-and-take relationship with the daily practice of Christian love. Proper theology feeds and is fed by Christian love, or it's a noisy gong. Acceptable worship feeds and is fed by Christian love, or it's a clanging cymbal. In both Romans and Hebrews, this this call to offer acceptable worship is immediately followed by a long list of ethical guidelines. Acceptable worship involves discernment, humility, sober judgment, unity, love, hospitality, purity, and on and on. It keeps going. But not only does acceptable worship produce these things, these things are also prerequisites for acceptable worship. Meaning, when we enter into worship on Sunday morning, it matters to God how we spent the previous six days, and it matters to God how we will spend the next six days. We do not worship in an ethical vacuum. We worship as people who have, to to varying degrees, both succeeded and failed throughout the week, to live up to our calling. And so we we cannot worship acceptably while living unacceptably, while living lovelessly. 
So with that said, let's, let's read our passage for today. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Acceptable worship means loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, loving the stranger, loving your brothers and sisters in prison, loving your spouse with purity and fidelity, and not loving money, but rather learning contentment. Acceptable worship produces these things, and acceptable worship requires these things. Acceptable worship feeds these things, and acceptable worship is fed by these things. We'll take each one of them in turn. Number one, let brotherly love continue. This probably doesn't sound all, of that, all that radical, uh, but to really appreciate this call to brotherly love, we need to remember the social conditions under which these first century Christians were living. We need to put ourselves in their shoes. Imagine a scenario in which public Christian worship is made illegal in the city of Houston. Christians are hated and mistreated by many of our neighbors. They plunder our homes, they vandalize our church buildings, and the government turns a blind eye to the whole thing. It has become terribly difficult for a Christian to hold down a job. Bishop Clark is in prison for preaching the gospel. Maybe Andy too. Definitely definitely not me. For for the original audience of the book of Hebrews, the, the situation on the ground was something like that. So it's not hard to imagine that they would need to be reminded. Hold fast. Do not neglect to meet together. Encourage one another. Run with endurance. Strive for peace. Let brotherly love continue. More than ever, keep being a family. More than ever, keep loving one another like brothers and sisters. Be supportive. Be encouraging. Be generous. Fight for unity. Number two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, having been reminded of the social conditions at this time, this one actually does sound pretty radical. It's one thing to show hospitality to our friends and family. It's another thing to show hospitality to the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. But it's still another thing to show hospitality to people who may turn out to hate us for our faith or maybe even turn us over to the authorities. The author of Hebrews says, yes, go on loving. Go on showing hospitality 
even under those conditions. Why? Because the only thing worse than persecution is persecution that successfully snuffs out Christian love. The only thing darker than a society that hates Jesus and his people is a society in which the light of Christian love is no longer shining. When the world gets dark, the the light of Christian love becomes all the more important. So do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And verse 2 adds, because you never know, in your hospitality you may be entertaining angels. And this is a reference to Genesis 18, which we just read. It's, it's the scene where Abraham shows hospitality to a group of strangers who turn out to be angels. And in our gospel reading today, Matthew 25, we, we're told something similar. We're told that, that Jesus himself comes to us incognito. He comes to us in the form of people who hunger. People who thirst, people who need welcome, people who need clothing, people who need healing, people in prison. Jesus comes to us incognito. And so the basic point in verse 2 is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers because God wants to bless you as you bless them. Number three. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. You know, many, many people are attracted to uh, the love and relative pleasantness of Christian community, and, and rightly so. But the true test of a Christian community is how we respond when loving one another becomes inconvenient or costly or perhaps even dangerous. How do we love one another under those conditions? It would be far easier not to visit Bishop Clark and Andy in prison because to visit them in prison would would, would be to put a, a target on our own backs, right? But under those social conditions, the, the author of Hebrews calls us to remember and tend to our brothers and sisters in prison to pray for them, to meet their needs, to advocate for their release. Truly, to to expose ourselves to greater suffering for the sake of solidarity. Again, we are the light of Christ. Hiding from the darkness just allows the darkness to grow. When the world gets dark, the light of Christian love becomes all the more important. Number four, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Why do you think marital fidelity makes this list? Why why is that worth mentioning here? I think it's because Christian marriage is an institutional manifestation of Christian love. The, the family unit is the foundational institution in society. And so when, when our marriages break down, our communities break down. 
it's no accident that as, as our society grows increasingly hostile to the Christian faith, biblical marriage is increasingly under attack. The two go hand in hand. If healthy Christian marriages preach the gospel, if healthy Christian marriages are by their very nature, very nature living expressions of the gospel, then it makes sense that the enemy would want to undermine healthy Christian marriages. To undermine marriage is to undermine society. And so when when husbands and wives break faith, when young people hook up rather than entering into covenant with one another, when the government attempts to, to fundamentally redefine the very institution of marriage, we should not be surprised to find many other social problems on the rise. You see, the Bible, is, the Bible is very insistent about this whole kingdom of God thing. And it's to that end that we are instructed to honor the institution of marriage. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Among all. Honoring marriage by no means dishonors the unmarried. We can all honor the institution of marriage no matter our marital status because we can all recognize that, again, healthy marriages preach the gospel and healthy marriages are the bedrock of healthy societies. And so Christians do not denigrate marriage. We don't disparage it along with our culture. We don't toss it away when the fire of infatuation flickers out. We keep our vows. We wait until we're married to live together. We refuse to participate in a dehumanizing hookup culture. We recognize that the kingdom of God has an enemy, and that enemy has mounted an open assault on the institution of marriage. And so we we cannot, must not retreat on these issues. Because according to this verse, God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And so to retreat on these issues is is to passively permit the decay of our society. To passively watch as our neighbors run into judgment. That is not Christian love. Number five. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When social conditions are oppressive, it can be tempting to stop meeting together. Tempting to stop loving one another like family. Tempting to stop showing hospitality. Tempting to keep our distance from those in prison. And of course, it can be tempting under those conditions to hoard our resources, to pinch every penny rather than sharing with those in need. Christians don't have to do that. The logic in this verse is is pretty simple. Everything you have is yours because God has provided for you. And that same God has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. And so when he asks you to share what you have, do not fear. Just do it. 
Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Never seek contentment in the next dollar. Always seek contentment in the previous dollar. If you always seek contentment in the previous dollar, you will always be growing ever more content. But if you seek contentment in the next dollar, you will simply never know the joy of true contentment. So again, these are the things, these are a few of the things that make for acceptable worship. Loving the Christian family, loving the stranger, loving those in prison, loving your spouse, not loving money. Our liturgy is important, but even a perfect liturgy, even a perfect liturgy would still be unacceptable without these things. If the Bible were to have an appendix in the back with a a detailed liturgy, or if Jesus were to speak audibly from heaven and tell us exactly what he wants us to be doing on Sunday mornings, we could follow those instructions with precision, and our worship would still be unacceptable to God apart from Christian love. For 12 chapters now, the book of Hebrews has presented complex and deep theological truth. But the fruit, the fruit of all of this complex theology is not complex. It's difficult, but it's not complex. As those who have been granted access through the new covenant to the throne room of God, by the blood of our great high priest, We are to be loving, hospitable, loyal, pure, and contented. That, more than anything, is what makes our worship acceptable. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have have loved us perfectly, completely. You have adopted us. You have brought us into this Uh, broken yet beautiful family. Jesus, you have been the perfect loving brother to us. Please teach us to love like you, to, to give of ourselves like you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to dwell richly, dwell richly within our church. Produce in us the fruit of Christian love, and and even more so when days are dark. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.